Hey, Chico Leo, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to subscribe to Fan Bros. Fan Bros? What's that? Yo, it's the voice of the urban geek. The voice of the what? The voice of the urban geek. That sounds so cool. How do I follow that? Uh, you can go to iTunes or Twitter or the in- or the internet at large and t- and look for Fan Bros Show, and you can like, you can subscribe, and you can watch a lot of Star Wars. Chico Leo, do you use the internet a lot? Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of... Fan Bros Special Delivery. That's right. We're here to talk about TV, y'all. It's all about TV. Uh, on this episode tonight, we are uh, joined by who is on the other line there? I'm sorry. Chico Leo. There he is. There it is. I'm Kim, right. so- I'm Kim Sonian, joined by my, I guess, my co-host Chico Leo, and we're out here on some intergalactic uh, colony away from the spaceship, way far from the spaceship. Right. Um, we're going to talk about some television tonight and a uh, big night tonight, the f- premiere episode of the last season of Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Chico Leo is pretty much the uh, aficionado for... Uh, what would we call it? I guess um, period piece series television. Right. Histo- yeah. The yeah. The, so the period pieces are definitely my uh, my joint. Which I'm kind of uh, I don't not concerned with, but I'm kind of like I wonder why you have such an affinity for all these period piece dramas that are coming out, as if there were never ever drama period piece dramas in the history of television. Oh, but there's there's never been anything like there is now. I mean, and not not at the level that they're at right now. I mean, now there's I mean, on multiple channels all the time, there's there's historical stuff. I mean, I'm having trouble keeping up. I mean, right now, you know, you got Boardwalk Empire starting. You got Manhattan about the Manhattan Project. You got Outlander on stars about uh, it's a time travel thing where a 20th century English woman finds herself in 18th century Scotland. There's all, you know, there was, you know, Sinbad, there was Spartacus, there was Rome, there was Deadwood, so there's you, Hell on Wheels. Right, but oh, so you're throwing everything that has some sort of, I guess, out of time balance thing in the same pool. I would not throw those star shows like Sinbad and, and the, you know, I guess that's true. Maybe, well, Sinbad is v- historical, uh, you know, there was some... Uh, some ho- some historical uh, stuff going anyway, on. Anyway, I, I guess mean. my point being, like, the you love Hell on Wheels and the Vikings over, like, science fiction type stuff. Mind well, you. I really like Defiance. I'm enjoying Defiance. Okay. I gave up on Dominion. I would have given up on The Strain if it wasn't for Fan Bros. <laughs> well, that's good because I've been forced to watch many a, a dull, I know. A dull no, I show know. because of Fan Bros. But at the same time, I feel like it's interesting to, to watch things that aren't so popping and to review things that are popping. I guess my point being is that you're definitely more of an aficionado of these historical dramas. And I guess they're making them just for you, Chico. So Boardwalk Empire premiered tonight. It's the final season, season five. Um, all the basic characters are back. Uh this episode was, 
I have to say right off the bat, it's one of the prettiest looking shows on television. Sure is. It's unbelievable. The cinematography is unparalleled on this show. Um, the 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 storylines are uh, debatable to some degree. The acting is top notch, um, but the cinematography is just like unbelievable. Uh, the production design, the the production design as well, like every everything just looks so perfect. It's it's really well done, and and I'm sure they do a ton of research and to make this stuff look good. But that is one appeal to me that I really like about it is that if you have a really good looking show and the details really shine, then I'm really going to pay attention a lot more. That's just me in particular. Um, it was, to me, overall, it was a pretty good play-setting show. You know, I mean, it's the beginning of the season. There's a lot promise coming up. I do have to say, um, I do like some stuff better than others. And um, what what do you what, what stood out to you, basically? Well, I, I, I totally have to agree and echo what you were saying about how good looking it was. I thought the stuff in Havana was really just so pretty. I mean, it just looks so good. Um, so for, first off, I don't know if anyone realized they did a time jump of seven or eight years. Right. The season started. I mean, the series started in like 1920 and each season was like a year. Right. And now we're in 1931. So they've really jumped ahead. They we, we find out that Arnold Rothstein has died just from like one line um, between Meyer Lansky and uh, and Nucky. It's almost like a throwaway. They were the last time they saw each other was at A.R.'s funeral. Um Charlie Luciano has gotten his scar, the the scar that causes his eye to droop, which gave him sort of this distinctive look. Um, you know, basically everyone, you know, uh, Chalky is is in jail or rather on a work, you know, on a chain gang. We I don't I don't believe we know why. Um, when last we saw him, he was sort of hiding out after inadvertently causing the death of his beloved daughter. Um, so there's been, there's been a time jump and the, uh, the crash stock market crash has happened. Right. And I think that's why they set it forward because they're trying to move it to a more dramatic time and, uh, and it's close to the end of prohibition. It's close to the end of prohibition. I was just saying they're getting to the end of prohibition and from the gangster's point of view, they need to get to sort of the basically the be- the commission and the beginning of the five, five families. families in New York exactly right which which defined the mob you know for the rest of the 20th century i'm not i can't exactly speak to where the mob is right now in the early 21st century but um a lot of the the guys who laid the groundwork and two of the four of the most important people are Meyer Lansky and Charlie Luciano um so the the Joe Mazzaria hit that was uh, that was shown tonight was a very big historical shakeup, um, and uh, the only thing that I can say uh, historically in this one they showed Bugsy Siegel and and one other guy we don't know we don't know who uh, shot uh, Mazzaria but in real life it was Bugsy Siegel Albert Anastasia. Joe Adonis and Vito Genovese, who formed the Genovese crime family, which was the biggest, I believe, of the five families. Um, so, like all the all the pieces are there to 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 begin what will become, you know, the uh, the the big mob, you know, influence on America. And and ten years from now, or fifteen years from now, Bugsy Siegel will form Las Vegas. Um, right. So so in, this in is real life. so this is my my qualm about all that. You just 
you know, relayed, I guess, the historical facts that anybody can read in any book. Basically, this is not this is not the first time these stories have been told, maybe on a TV show this dramatically. But at the same time, this is kind of not interesting to me personally. Right. You know, how many times can you hit somebody in a restaurant? How many times can you flash back to, you know, different? I, I mean, this thing had Godfather written all over it. And I just felt like this is this is kind of I don't know if this is well uh, and like money well spent and to get the big biggest bang out of it. You know what I mean? Well, the flashback stuff was definitely, you know, showed Nucky's origin. I mean, any comic definitely shows the origin story at some point. And I actually like it when they save it and don't, you know, don't have it in issue one. I kind of like, you know, we had been given bits and pieces. We knew that Nucky worked for the Commodore as a kid and worked his way up and i i saw i actually liked the way they they set that up and there was even a little bit of like a uh like a doubling with the little cuban boy who kept you know selling him lottery tickets throughout the episode that's also the theme um, so of the episode, right? I actually like seeing right? the, so, the origin, right. the origin of Nucky, right? But that's the theme of the episode. It's titled "Golden Days of Boys and Girls," and basically, that's the title of a review from the 1900s that was specifically had. It was a children's newspaper, basically, and throughout the episode, his mother's reading him uh, lines from you know this one particular uh, right. issue, and so yeah, there's a parallel between Nucky's. Uh, you know, childhood flashbacks and this kid, I guess, in 1930s Havana, Cuba, trying to hustle his way. And so Nucky sees himself as a kid in that. I mean, it's kind of there. It's it's poetic. It's it's very clear at the same time. Again, I don't know how intriguing it is. Pretty doesn't make it necessarily the most engaging. I mean, the only thing that I can argue in terms of the historical the historical thing is that it's very important, like, to know the history. I mean, this is obviously, you know, such a cliche to know the history and know where we are today. And I feel like the rise of the mob, you know, dovetailed with the rise of the military industrial complex in America. And the mob and the military industrial complex colluded to kill JFK. And I feel like events from there you can directly trace to, like, the Iraq-Afghanistan war and why, you know, there's things going on in the world and where, you know, everything is sort of connected is, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Well, we're going we're gonna to let you have your own Fambro's Politico show. Right. Well, you, I'm just saying, like, with nothing happens theories. in a vacuum. And the stuff that, that was portrayed in that episode has reverberations that we see in Goodfellas and that we see in The Godfather. Of course. And that of we course. see in The Sopranos. And, and, and that, but, and you just that listed, are reflected. Right. Exactly. And you it, just listed three things that everybody's sort of seen or can see. If they right. want to, and I feel like you know, uh, one, a story about one person going through their trials and tribulations is enough to, uh, you know, carry a series, especially even a historical series. And by the way, all the Al Capone stuff that's in the show is is basically all fiction. All my point, right. my point being, <laughs> my point being, I, but I just want to say, like the Al Capone stuff, there might be, but it's not. I mean, it's not completely fictionalized. I mean, it follows. You know, there's a there's a, a basic historical. There were things I knew were going to happen that happened. You know, and even more reason why not to do it because I feel like if you're going to do something like that, then call it for what it is and not. 
kind of this loosely based on where people don't really know the difference. And that, that right. to me is kind of bothersome where, you know, or at the same time, people just fall into it and, and, and you know. But I, I don't know, like stuff. five, ten years ago, they made a movie about Jesus that was like the number one movie in America. I don't believe a single person went to that movie not knowing how that ended. This is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is not what I'm. But it's great. I'm glad you made that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A good way I just feel like just because you know. Let's close you know. the argument with uh, okay, with Jim, right. Jim Caviezel, well, who's now on person of interest and who was like really big as Jesus at the time. Um, right. And now that there's a black Jesus on TV, we can uh, we can all move forward. That's um, true. Who I believe actually is probably a, a better depiction of, of the Jesus right. of the Bible than the one in Mel Gibson's movie. And then the one in Mel Gibson's movie. And next time I talk to Mel, I'll let him know that I'm a big strain fan. Um, this episode tonight was called The Disappeared, and it referenced uh, one of the things that uh, Nora, who's Argentinian, who's F's girlfriend, she mentions that, uh, you know, people disappear all the time in Argentina and they just accept it. And so she's kind of making this uh, parallel statement about what's been happening to the people now that the outbreak has occurred and now that the, the virus is kind of going all over the place. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I think I don't know if it's Guillermo del Toro's thing, but I love the way that they're kind of weaving in, you know, Latin culture and South American culture into into the show. Um but basically, I mean, a lot of things happened. Um, uh, it opens, the episode opens up with F killing his wife's boyfriend who had completely turned. He saves his son at the last minute, um, goes back to his house and realizes that um, his son was about to be eaten by, um, I guess, his, his mom's boyfriend who's now turned. So F kills him in front of his son, and that kind of sets the tone for the whole uh for the whole episode. Um, uh, Zatrakian is there in full form. His team is coagulating Vasily Fett and the, uh, the hacker girl. Um, actually, a couple of plot points. She actually confesses that uh, to Zatrakian that she's the one who took down the internet at the request of Palmer, the really rich guy who's at Blackheart. Uh, I think it's called Blackheart, um, right? Or Blackstone, or something like that. Blackstone, Blackstone, yeah. Blackstone. Um, I think. Yeah, and and he's, you know, I think he's trying to make a deal with the with the master to get eternal life somehow, and he employs Icorn as the the guy in between, and of course, Icorn is the Nazi who had Zatrakian back in 1944 carve the master's sarcophagus where he is nesting as we speak um so uh the team the i guess the the anti-vampire team has coagulated the scooby gang Gang is now all under one roof at zatrakian's house even nora's mom is at zatrakian's house so everybody's basically safe i have a feeling they're trying to reset it so there's going to be a new attack soon even zatrakian says you know, we'll go back to my place and prepare for the next battle. So right. um, I see Vasily Fett, the exterminator, and Zatrakian are getting a lot closer. And uh, this overall thing of science versus myth is continuing. The two scientists, F and Nora, are still on some, you know, they had to debrief a little bit about why they killed Samwise or why Vasily right. killed Samwise. And there was a nice face-to-face convo about that and, you know, Vasily is, is really cold and doesn't have a lot of heart. And she still, she felt like she should have done it. Somebody who loved him should have done it. 
Um, anyway, they kind of left it at that. Um, a lot of flashbacks. It actually showed that uh, back to 1944, it showed that um, uh, what's his name? Um, Zatrakian, Z- young Zatrakian actually did have an encounter with the master who actually kind of messed up his hands as a young man. So it was interesting to see that he did. They did come face to face. And um, basically, I mean, the, the whole episode goes through, you know, pretty steadily. Um, we do see the Cholos back and the fat Cholo who the two guys, when they were locked up in the prison, they get transferred and the fat Cholo transforms in the van. The van turns over reminiscent of the thing, 1981, John Carpenter version. They're all chained up and the one guy is right. actually a monster and starts sucking these dudes faces. Um, anyway, the van crashes. Um, the, the muscular Cholo, I forget his name, grabs one of the keys from the guards and gets away. So they're moving that story along. They did not show the Cobra Vamp Squad, the Cobra, the Cobra Killer Vamp Squad, Vampire Squad right. from two episodes ago. No update on those guys yet. We'll see if they show up again. I'm sure they will. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically, the high point for me or the low point, this is super debatable, is the last shot of the show where <laughs> or where. Uh, we see Icorn's origin where he's in a bunker after they've released, um, they've been, uh, they released the prisoners. And I believe it was the Americans or the Russians who, who saved the camp. Icorn is, you know, escapes into, we're back in 1944 and he escapes into this bunker and the sarcophagus is there and he's got all these candles lit and he breaks down. He's all alone drinking. And all of a sudden the master shows up and he actually takes his hood off. (laughs) And you get to see what he looks like. <laughs> and I had to laugh, man. He's like a he's a weird looking dude, man. I have to say. It's a weird looking version of a Nosferatu uh type right. of pale ball head with pointy ears. And he actually cuts his arm, lets a lets an uh one of the little worms get into the arm of uh of Icorn. So you see where that transformation happens. Um, right. So anyway, that was the wrap up of the episode. I mean, I felt, you know, moving everything along. It was some not that much action, but enough tension to keep the story moving. And it was a really hot sex scene, too. Um, but I'll let you uh, deal with that. With vampires or <laughs> zombies? <laughs> no, no, no. It was just between uh, F and, right. and Nora in a really kind of weird place. But it was actually kind of funny, too. But there it is. Well, I, I got to say, not having seen the episode, I in general did like the last few a little more. The, the show has tonal problems like the idea that they have 44 minutes and they're going to waste it in a scene where scientists are going to sit there and be like, oh, but it should have been someone who loved him. Like, I, I don't believe that given the facts that these people have seen, I, I, I find it I, I find I mean, yes, the myth versus science angle is interesting, but this notion that they're still um you know, it would be like as if someone in The Walking Dead, like, ten, you know, how, what are we, seven, eight, nine episodes in, is still acting like the zombie, you know, they're not, cle- you know, that the zombies might be people. Right, but to might, their de- I, to their defense, what's happening, I think, is multiple timelines simultaneously. So That's true. I mean, it's so also only been a few days. Yeah, but, so I think, or, I think yeah. that's what they're trying to do. They, they haven't done the best job in doing that, especially with these flashbacks that go, like, you know, 70 years ago, you're kind of saying, well, where am I? Where are we? It's always night. Then there's a daytime, but then it's not daytime. But I think if you were to binge watch, you'd probably see that the continuity is pretty thorough. 
Um, right. It is a horror show, and so there's a lot of things people do and say that are kind of stupid, and I feel like it relies on that, you know. But I, I, I do hear you that I, I think their ability to turn to Zatrakian's side is going to take a minute. And it, it provides some but tension, even, too, though. Yeah, even then the Satrakian character, I mean, he seems to exist just to, like, give tell people what the rules are, is, you know, give a lot of exposition and history. Like, it's almost as if without him, it wouldn't have even occurred at this point to Nora and F that maybe these it's not human. You know, that they would have gone through that whole thing in the, in the Quickie Mart last week and still be acting like it's, oh, it's an outbreak and they have some kind of disease... Which I just find very, very difficult to believe. Like, I I don't know. Maybe it's me. I just feel like when confronted with that, even if I didn't know what it was, I would sort of recognize that I'm dealing with something that's not human. And, you know, that 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 would be something that I would accept. And pretty quickly, I I don't know. I mean, I've never come into contact with a vampire or a zombie or a Sasquatch. Right. But if you did, but if you did, you'd recognize it right away and you'd be like, oh, that's a vampire. Right. I mean. You wouldn't be like on a on a thing where you're like, oh, scientifically speaking, that doesn't jibe. Right. So I don't know. Right? If you saw a guy with like snakes flying out of his mouth, that's what I'm saying. If I saw a guy with snakes flying out of his mouth and and sucking on people's faces, and I saw multiple ones of them, you know, I would definitely realize like Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Right? <laughs> exactly. Put down the and people don't see and that's that's something that I find really sort of crazy and irksome that you know um but i you know i am going to watch this and i will continue watching it certainly throughout the rest of the season cool i can't promise (laughs) next year although i have liked the direction it's going in um i almost regret that they felt that they needed to do all the setup that they did um uh, to get to get to where we're at Uh, because it it started getting good sort of when the va- I don't know when the when the vampire when the creatures started appearing in public and and I'm looking more towards looking forward to it being like you know just a wild war in the streets between humans and zombies or or vampires whatever they are right well talk about the leftovers one time because this is something that I started watching and right. I, I had to check out so yeah uh, so. This is not, I mean, so the, all right, so The Leftovers is actually a difficult show to talk about um, because it's more of a mood thing. I I watched and I would say that I couldn't, I I was unable to really give an opinion for the first six, five or six episodes and then then it did get better. Um, Suffice it to say, it's based on a book um, by Tom Parada who wrote Election and several other movie books that have been turned into movies. This is his first TV series and it's produced by Damon Lindelhoff who is uh, one half of the producing team from Lost and he's already come out and said if you want an explanation for the inciting incident like you're, probably yeah, not you're gonna not going to have I know we said that at the beginning of covering it right and, and and that's why I knew I couldn't count on this show to give me what I was looking for. So so one day three years ago, two percent of the Earth. This is the premise of the show. Two percent of the Earth's population just disappears. Like people are having sex with someone, and then the next minute they're like, you know, 
rubbing up against the the mattress you know like a woman is in a uh is getting her sonogram and the the baby just disappears from the from the sonogram right so why don't and so the show is is really exploring how people deal with that with loss Um, with basically it's a show about loss it's a show about regret it's a show about like what could have happened what didn't happen how does the how does the series end how does the series end i want to know because if it, I, have a, I have a vague feeling that they just stretched out that feeling of uneasiness and maybe a couple of things happened, but is there a big climax? And is that piano there, music There's a climax. There? I don't know if you would call it a big climax. So one of the issues is that it's totally just focusing on this one small town in upstate New York. It's a small town that doesn't feature any people of color whatsoever. Except for the mayor. So we're definitely talking about white middle class people. Right, but the mayor. The mayor is black. This is a black The woman. mayor is black. That is true. So it's a town where there's one black person and they manage to become mayor. Um, and there is a magical Negro who is a, a black man who definitely has magic powers and British accent, but he only appears in like four or five episodes and not to, not to belabor the point. He actually dies in this episode, but he dies in this episode, um, after having impregnated a ton of hot, like 19 or 20 year old girls who are like sort of all over the country. And each of them has like a protector, so there's various cults that have sprung up in in the wake of this thing. Um, the main, I mean, the main story follows the sheriff, uh, the or rather the police chief of the town, um, who's played by Justin Theroux, who is mostly known as being the guy who's been engaged to Jennifer Aniston for like five or six years. Um, he was in Mulholland uh, Drive, and he was on the show Six Feet Under. I'm sure he's done other things. I don't know what they are. Um, but he's great, and he's very conflicted, and he's trying to keep his town together. And I, fi- I think the show is a little bit of a slow burn, but burn is almost the wrong word because it's a slow, cold burn, it's, if that makes lukewarm. any sense. It's lukewarm. The whole show, tonally to me, was lukewarm. What right. happens at this final episode? Hit me with the details, Chico. So the the, the main cult in town, um, I, the Lost Remnant. Guilty, or, guilty I, remnants. The Guilty Remnant. That we found out in a previous episode that there's a company that met. So one of the things is that people, if you just lose someone, it's one thing if someone dies and you have a funeral and you see their body and all that. But if you lose someone, it's actually like this. They disappear. It's much harder to actually move on. You don't know. Not knowing what happened, not knowing where they are, not know, you know, whatever. And so there's this weird collective a lot of people have been unable to move on for the last three years. And this cult has sprung up, has sprung up the guilty remnant. And uh, you get the sense that there are chapters all over America, but we just focus on the one in the, in the town. And the sheriff's wife has joined it. In a previous episode, we know that a corporation is manufacturing like mannequins. Like you send the photograph in of your loved one who disappeared and they'll send you a mannequin. And it's not even like you're supposed to set up the mannequin in your house like to. Well, you know, like it's it's to give you something to have a funeral. Um, But anyway, what the guilty remnant does in this final episode is they break into they order mannequins of all the people 
in the town who have um, disappeared. And then they stick them in everybody's houses. So everybody completely freaks out and starts beating the shit out of all the guilty remnant people and the whole and burns their their compound down and the cops can't really control the people. And so there's just a a scene of like everything running amok. Um, And at the very end, um, the sheriff's son has been uh, missing from the sheriff's point of view. We've been following him. He's been one of the guardians for one of the children, one of the babies of one of these young girls that the magical guy had impregnated. Um, and so the the magical guys, the woman that who is the mother of the baby runs off and the magical guy brings the baby back home. So... And the sheriff actually was there when the magical guy died. He got killed by, like, government forces. And he he told the uh, sheriff that he would grant him any wish as, as he was dying. And so we don't know what the sheriff wished. But we can assume it was, like, to get his family back or something like that because his wife had joined the guilty remnant and his son had disappeared. And he had a sort of really weird relationship with his daughter. Um, they were really close in some ways and really totally not close in others. She's a teenage girl. So the very end is the baby appearing on the porch and the, it seems like maybe the family will get back together. But the climax was really this sort of the town falling apart. Um, like even the mayor was sort of wandering around, you know, like glass eyed, not knowing what to do. Um, so it's, I, I can't, it's not a show that I can totally, you know, recommend to people. It's sort of, if, if it's your cup of tea, it's interesting. It's a little different. Um, but it does require a little more patience. I think the patience is rewarded to be honest. I, I can't even totally recommend the show, but I, I probably like it more than the strain, but you know, ah, you're bugging dude. You're, I do like the, rocker. I do like the creatures in the strain. I just, there's a lot of other things that I did. This, the tone of the I, strain. I gotta say the leftovers, I was flipping back and forth between the strain and it just, there was nothing that jumped out at me at all. It actually reminded me of this. There's a movie, a Peter Yates movie called fearless with Jeff Bridges and Rosie yes, Perez and Rosie Perez. And when, he, yes. when he survives, uh, he's, a, he's like one of the only survivors or a handful of survivors of a plane crash and right. so the whole movie deals with the idea of loss and regret and survivor's guilt and all this stuff and i feel like the leftovers just basically took that movie added some really bad you know piano music and and basically created some a few new storylines and ripped that whole thing off i i don't know it was really hard for me to get into it's it, it i don't know there's just something it's missing. lugubrious i mean there's definitely no doubt it's, uh, that's it's, a good word for it i don't even know what that means but it's a good word it's for no it. i mean it's like it's slow and it's you know it's not, beyond um, slow although i have to say justin thoreau is good he holds it i i don't mind seeing him i just feel like he's acting in a vacuum i don't know what anybody else is doing what they care about it's it, I don't know it, it it missed me the whole time I'm sure there's lots of fan bros who like it I I don't I know Ben was like live tweeting the finale I don't know I hope he gets a lot more followers people are watching it you know like 35 and up I believe are definitely watching it but um right no I mean it's it's a little different I mean it's one of those things that it's like it's a little different than the other stuff out there and there is this sort of you know it is the premise is very I think the premise is interesting. 
Um, you know, I'm going to watch it next season. Um, I'm not sitting here like I am with Game of Thrones with like a calendar where I cross off the day each year, you know, or, for when it comes or back. Or even Walking Dead. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, we're still counting down. September's pretty big. Next week is going to be a pretty big, uh, not this week, but next week is going to be a pretty big uh, week for new premieres. Uh, yep. We still have a, a pretty dead week. Um, shout out to um, the ever uh, falling extant <laughs> where right. where Holly Berry is continuing her pursuit of her alien baby throughout the countryside, a near future countryside. Um, the storyline plot there uh, just keeps um, moving in a very unsure direction. We did find out this week, though, that... Um, the Yasumoto, the billionaire Japanese guy, is also searching for eternal life and was actually living in the 1850s as a miner and was rejuvenated when he had a mining accident uh, digging for a meteorite. And he was rejuvenated by the ooze that came from the meteorite. He stuck his hand in it and he was able to survive. Um, and so he just went back and collected this ooze and for 150 years he's been living off this meteorite ooze and uh, he's been basically funding all these um, he became a partner in the mining company and he's funding all these trips to find this meteorite and basically Holly Berry is one of the people who got caught up in his experiment so we, we find all this out and she's just a pawn in the whole game of this guy trying to be eternal but she still calls the offspring my baby, and it did end with a nice shot of, I guess, the baby or the offspring who's now looks like he's like maybe 10 years old from far away at least, running into the distance. Um, I, I, I'm going to stick with it. There's only two episodes left. I'm going to figure out how this thing ends. Um, and again, on paper, we've, all, we've been saying this throughout the whole season, this is supposed to be a fan bro show. But um, it's just not that good a show. So Right. Well, it doesn't seem like it has enough fans to stay on the air. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, double, you know, doubling up those last two weeks and then moving up to right. premiere, we'll see. I, I think it's a one-shot deal, and it might, it might live nice in reruns or not reruns, but on binge-watching on Netflix right. or something. My point is then let's bring it back to Boardwalk Empire, and that's something that they could actually, if you're going to do some historical stuff, talk about that. And they have. They've scratched the surface about, you know, uh, um, uh, underworld, the underworld of all cultures, at, at, especially Absolutely. especially in the New York City area and the tri-state area at the time, So, which was kind of the most dynamic at the time. So I get it. They're scratching the surface. But you're right. If you're going to do a historical drama, do it in a different way where the protagonist is not the same old person, where it's not the same kind of, you know, white savior to the rescue, where why can't the, uh, you know, the captain of the Star Trek, you know, fleet be Uhura? Why can't she run the right. ship? You know, I mean, that's that that's what I'm talking about now in 20, you know, whatever, even 2014. You know, they, they've been writing this stuff for like at least two years, I'm sure. So. But, you know, it's like it's time to change the game a little bit. And if you're going to do a historical drama and all you're going to do is tiny bit remix it, I'm, I don't need to know that. Like I can Wikipedia all this stuff and it's interesting, you know. But, you know, if you're going to spend millions of dollars to make a show, give it to me interesting. Give it to me with action. Give it to me with like super drama 
And otherwise, I can watch something completely fantastic. I don't need to know the history. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, well, or they give it to you like they're doing in uh, in this. But I just want to say, I, you know, I do like sci-fi shows. I mean, don't you know? I did. Li- I'm a love dwarf from black, and I do. I do. I actually really have been enjoying Defiance. But um, yeah, and I like horror stuff. Um, I mean, I got to be honest with you. It took a little while for The Walking Dead to grow on me, although right. I thought the pilot was yeah, awesome. Yeah, you say that every week. That's true. Um, so, so, all right. So, all right. <laughs> but anyway, all right, fan bros. There you have a marathon episode of us divulging our opinions about shows. Thank you for listening, and good night.